This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing of a wound. Just a quick spray or dab can help with a wide range of issues ranging from cuts, scrapes, sunburns, rashes, including stubborn diaper rashes. I discovered Active Skin Repair Baby when my daughter had wicked diaper rashes and it's now part of our diaper rash routine. Apply and then use your balm or ointment of choice. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews, you now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your first order by using code PEDSDOC. That's 20% off your order by using code P-E-D-S-D-O-C. Welcome back to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I am Dr. Mona and thank you for being here. On this episode, I'm diving into a parenting principle I love to share with families and use for our own son. It's a principle that fosters their normal desire for autonomy as they get older, obviously, especially in those toddler years, builds confidence, but balances this all with their need for you. This is my dream to create a child that feels confident and understands that they are capable of doing things, but that if they need us as parents, they have us there. And yes, it's true. We can raise kids who are independent, who do things for themselves, but who know if they need us, we are there. And guess what? It can start in infancy. This is a principle that we started from when Ryan was born, and I'm going to give you some examples from infancy to older kids, but you're able to use this concept in various aspects of your child's life. This is a principle that I have created that kind of encompasses many different situations. If you are new here, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review or a rating, please, so that people can find this resource and these parenting principle episodes and everything else I release here on the Peds Doc Talk podcast. So this principle is actually simple. Allow independence before intervention. Independence, and then we intervene. Giving our child opportunities to practice independence and experience autonomy helps them create a sense of mastery over their body, their mind, and their environment. And why is this principle so important for me? From infancy and beyond, our job is to look out after our infant's needs and our child's needs. Infants are going to have more care needs than, say, a toddler or an older child, right? Diaper changes, feedings are going to be more frequent. This is important to recognize as you're listening to this episode. We cannot expect an infant to have the autonomy and independence of a toddler or an older child. But in small ways, we can show them that we do think that they're capable of accomplishing something before we intervene as their loved one. This independence and intervention principle allows a child to do something for themselves, or at least try, before we help them or reassure them. This can give them confidence in accomplishing something, promote troubleshooting skills, yes, even from a young age, and remind them that they are capable of doing something on their own. And if they are not, we are there for them. That is the key here. The independence intervention model is not leaving your child to fend for themselves in a world where they do need a caretaker. It's just giving them a moment to show you what they're capable of first before you help them out. 
which to me, like I said, is parenting goals, giving space for our child to do before we do it for them. Here are five examples of how to apply the independence and intervention principle from birth. Yes, from birth and beyond. If you have another way that you have used this principle, make sure to DM me or tag me as you practice this principle in many other parenting situations. So how does this work from birth? So in the newborn stage, passing gas and pooping. So yes, independence intervention at this stage is actually very vital. Many times babies are born with a discomfort when they pass gas or poop. Why does this happen? I want to remind you that if it's a new sensation for a child, and this can be new for a few months, they are going to make grimaces. They're going to turn red in the face because this is new to them. In utero, they never had to practice doing this. And now they're outside drinking breast milk or formula and having to figure out, well, how the heck do I get this gas or poop out of my body? So it may not feel great. The baby is learning what this all means and tolerating a new sensation. But this sensation isn't bad. It's physiologic. Now, of course, if baby has blood in the stool, spitting up or losing weight, this is medical and not simply physiological. But in the independence intervention principle, you are allowing your child to have and feel that sensation of passing gas or stool before you intervene. And what do I mean by intervene? Many times I see a baby start to make that face in my office, right? Like they'll start to grimace and move their body around. And the parent immediately picks them up and starts to try to help them out. We're quick to jump up and bicycle their legs or move them around or flip them around or give them something like a supplement for the gas. I want you to try pausing. Allow them a moment to work it out. Give them one to five minutes or whatever you feel comfortable with with the time. And this number or time frame will increase as you learn more about your baby. Maybe initially you'll start 30 second moments of letting, you know, seeing what they can do and then it'll build up to five minutes. You're going to know that as you learn about your child. And you're going to let them wiggle and work it out. If they are still struggling after that time frame that you've selected, then of course you're going to help them. But remember, why is this important? Pooping, passing gas, all of that is a normal physiological sensation. If we immediately go and do it for them, we are not allowing them to do it for themselves. And they need to learn how to do it for themselves. This is a normal physiological process, something all human beings do. If it gets uncomfortable, truly uncomfortable, and you've waited a few moments to see what they can work out, then you are there. That is how this independence intervention model works. But you have to give them the chance. Give them the opportunity to work it out before you intervene. I have a son who dealt with the same stuff, right? The passing of the gas, the the straining when he poops. And I know it can be really hard seeing their wiggly faces, the face turn red. I know it. I've seen it. I've been in offices. But I've trained families to wait a moment before they do anything. And the more you wait, the more you're going to realize that they also are going to realize that this actually isn't so terrible. This is normal. I'm going to get through it. And I know what you're thinking. Well, what about their newborns? Like, they need me. Remember, with this model, you are not going anywhere. You are just giving them an age-appropriate amount of time to say, okay, I'm going to see if you can work it out. I'm not going to immediately just jump up the moment you start wiggling. I'm going to pause and take a moment and see what you can do. And if you need my help, I will be there. They are learning to do something that is physiologic, passing gas or stool. Something that every human being does. And it initially may not feel great. They have to learn how to do it, and you are going to be there to help them if it gets to a point where they're like really uncomfortable, but I want you to allow them that 
pause and that independence moment first before you intervene. The next thing is in the infancy stage. And you can also kind of say in the newborn phase, where again, this is not sleep training, right? This is the concept of independence and intervention with sleep without sleep training. So we often interrupt a baby's normal sleep cycle by intervening too soon when the baby makes a sound, a cry, etc. They're moving in between sleep cycles and they make a groan or they make a shriek and you think, oh, they're up. Let me go get them. I want you to practice independence with seeing one to five minutes if they're going to settle back down on their own. Remember for a newborn, you're not going to maybe do this as long because they're newborns. But as they get older, you're going to learn that I'm going to take a little bit more of a moment, allow them the independence before I intervene. You can use this principle, like I said, in the newborn stages too, and you're going to learn as they get older how much time you feel comfortable with doing the independence phase, which is allowing them to do it on their own, and when you're going to step in and intervene. I think there's a misconception that if you allow any fuss time for your child, you're not assessing their needs and that they're not going to love you or that they're going to feel abandoned. On the contrary, this principle, you are allowing them the space and independence to accomplish something, sleep as an example, and a skill, falling asleep on their own. It gives them the independence to do so. If they aren't able to because they're babies, you are there for them. You're not leaving them alone to figure it out forever, but you have to give them the opportunity. I often find that kids will surprise you. I still remember us using this principle and surprising my mom and mother-in-law. When Ryan was an infant, like around nine months, you know, they were staying with us. And if he would wake up from a nap before the hour, so like at 45 minutes, we would allow 15 minutes of an independent moment before we would go in and intervene. Meaning when we went in, we would go and calm him down. We would talk to him, but we allowed 15 minutes. This was a time frame that we created understanding the temperament of our child and doing this principle from the newborn age. I would watch on a monitor while he's, you know, rolling around, groaning, maybe even crying, maybe even fussing. My mom was quick to jump and she would want to go in. And I said, mom, let's just wait and see what he will do, a.k.a. the independence. And lo and behold, he went to sleep for another hour. After he tossed and turned, he went to sleep. And he woke up happy, content, because I gave him a moment of independence. I had every intention of intervening if he needed me. I watched him on the monitor to assure his safety. Oftentimes, like I said, babies will make noises. They may shriek. They may cry in between sleep cycles. Kind of how me and you toss and turn. Babies will do the same thing. They'll toss and turn and they'll make a sound. But allowing them the moment, and again, you decide that moment, that can give them the independence and confidence they needed and also show you that they're capable, which is the whole model of this independence and intervention model. You are going to them if they can't do it on their own. I think we forget that with the independence intervention principle that I'm talking to you all about, you're allowing them a moment to show you what they can do before you go in and help them out. The next one is in the infant and toddler years, which is brushing, like brushing of teeth. I have the perfect gift for Father's Day, Melon Premium Headwear. These are the best hats and worth every penny. Check all their five-star reviews if you don't believe me. Without a doubt, the most durable and comfy hats you can find. My husband is hat obsessed, but he's been wearing the same old beat-up hat that was losing its spark in heat and sweat. We got some melon headwear and now he just can't get enough. Melon hats are built to last five times longer than any other hat. And my favorite part... No more gross hat smell. 
With natural antimicrobial properties, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains and no smell. And if you need to wash it, they come right back to life and look brand new. They offer three different size options to fit everyone's head. Our favorite is the Legend Hat. My husband wore it to an outdoor party and he got tons of compliments. Use code PEDSTOCK at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melin.com and use code PEDSTOCK at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. I don't know about you, but warmer, sunnier days mean more time outside, more activities with the family, and less time to think about what to eat. Fuel up for the summer with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Every meal is fresh, never frozen, dietitian approved, and is easy to warm up. I dream of their spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken daily. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Factor meals feel like a treat when I'm in mom boss mode, working from home, or taking care of the kids with the restaurant style meals with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I put this in infancy because I do believe this principle applies this early for brushing autonomy. From the moment that first tooth comes in, allow your child to brush, quote, first. This will mean initially they're going to chew on the toothbrush. They're not going to really know what to do. You can show them with, you know, your own fake toothbrush that you have in your mouth, like you're not really brushing, but you're showing the motions. But you're allowing them the autonomy independence of showing you what they can do first before you intervene. But remember, as parents with brushing, we have to follow through with the intervention part. They don't have the dexterity and ability to brush on their own until early school age. Even some dentists will say eight years old. So following up is vital. But rather than immediately going in first, allow them the opportunity and space to show you what they can do. Applaud their efforts. Verbally encourage them. Celebrate them doing it and not essentially celebrate them accomplishing the finished task. Saying, hey, great job brushing your teeth. Even though, yes, in your head, it's not a full brushing job, right? Like they didn't get all the nooks and crannies. You are applauding their effort in doing something on their own. The independence that I'm mentioning. And then you're finishing up. 
By them seeing you recognize their independence and autonomy, even from a young age, they will be more willing to do it again. This is positive reinforcement. But when they are doing something on their own, for example, if they are brushing their teeth, quote unquote, brushing, like, you know, putting their the brush in their mouth and moving it around. Great job. You're doing so great. Then last time you're working really hard. Same thing with mealtimes. You know, if it's a child who's learning how to self-feed and is more hesitant, you're doing a great job. Then last time I am noticing that you are able to bring the food to your mouth. You should be very proud of yourself. Again, not applauding them finishing all their food, not applauding them for brushing their entire you know, all their teeth, it's applauding the effort. And that is what builds confidence, right? That is what builds that understanding that, wow, my caretaker understands that I'm capable and doing this, but of course they need to finish up. So allow them to do it on their own. But remember that you are going to have to follow up with teeth brushing because they don't have the dexterity to do so. But by doing this independence intervention model with toothbrushing and also, like I mentioned, with feeding, you are going to allow them that confidence they need to finally come around and say, oh, I've been doing this. Mommy or daddy or my caregiver is recognizing it and it's not so bad, right? If we make a big hoopla and say, okay, okay, you don't have to do it. You're not allowing them that space. Kind of what I said with getting so overworked when that child starts to pass gas, allow them the moment, allow them to feel, allow them to do first before we help them out. The next example has to do with late infancy in the toddler years, which is frustration and play. You know, your child is upset because they can't figure out how to get puzzle pieces together. Let's use that example. We often feel like we want to do things for our kids, but you're going to practice the independence and intervention principle and give them the space to do it on their own and intervene and show them if they can't figure it out. So as an infant, you may find less time in that independence phase. And that's okay, right? Because they're younger. They're not going to have the cognitive ability to be able to do something that a four or five-year-old can do in that same task. But you are allowing them that moment before you intervene. And don't feel bad if you intervene quicker, because like I said, that's very natural in this infant year. But as they get older, you're going to notice that they're going to have more ability in that independence phase. Remember, this principle is a parenting principle to allow that sort of balance of doing things on their own and you intervening when they need you. But allow them to get frustrated. If they're frustrated, the first step, and this is in infancy as well, is I want you to verbalize what you want them to do. So rather than taking the puzzle away from them or taking the toy away from them, I want you to verbalize what you are seeing and what you can do and walk them through that situation. So I see you are frustrated because you can't figure this out. Try putting the piece another way. So you see that right now I'm verbalizing that I see that they're frustrated and then I'm verbalizing what they can do to troubleshoot versus yanking the toy away from them and showing them yourself. I want you to start with that phase first as the independence balance with the intervention. You're only intervening with talking. Let them troubleshoot with your verbalization. If they continue to be frustrated, because again, this can happen in the infancy years and even toddler years, and they continue and you are verbalizing and they're still not figuring it out, you're going to sit with them and show them how to do it. You're going to say, mommy's going to show you and you're going to show them how to put the puzzle pieces together and you're going to narrate and verbalize while you are doing so. And I can't stress this enough. People feel like infants don't understand. And I get it that they can't speak like a toddler or an older child, but they are listening to your nonverbal cues. They are listening to your verbal cues of how you are doing something. And that repetition is key as they get through those toddler years. So show them 
but narrate what you're doing, and then you can allow them to try again themselves. Try not to take the item away in frustration, right? Okay, let me show you, let me show you. That's not what you want to do. You want to show them calmly so that when they are upset and frustrated, not only are you showing that you're calm in their frustration while they're trying to figure something out, but you're also modeling the troubleshooting. Ryan, our son, would get so frustrated with puzzles. Like, I'm talking just throw them and get so upset. And we would just verbalize and say, I see that you're really upset because you can't figure it out. And that is okay. I want you to try it again. It's almost as if her, his hands were moving faster than his mind, right? He wanted to do it, but he couldn't figure it out. And he would just get so upset. This independence and intervention principle would allow him that space to say, okay, I'm going to figure it out. It's okay that I get frustrated because again, we want to normalize frustration. I think when we, our children get frustrated, we immediately feel we need to jump. No, 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 no. In the moment of frustration is when they can learn to troubleshoot. In the moment of frustration and giving them the independence to feel, the space to feel, is when they develop those cognitive skills to work around that frustration. I want you to think about when you have been very frustrated with something, right? And you probably were like, oh gosh, I can't figure out this task at work. So you, as an adult, obviously, you would try it on your own, maybe troubleshoot something. And if you couldn't figure it out, you would go to your supervisor or you would go to someone else. This is kind of how I want you to approach children. They are young, so of course they can't figure everything out on their own. They need us. But we want to give them the opportunity to troubleshoot in their frustration because that is when you can get the most creative and most innovative outcomes. I have seen Ryan get frustrated in play many times, and I've sat there with him. I've given him the space to feel the frustration. But out of that has now come a child who loves puzzles, who now is able to put a puzzle together because he was allowed the space to be frustrated by it, I did not get upset at the frustration. I allowed him to feel his feelings. And then I also helped him if he was really upset from the infancy age and into the toddler years. This concept is so important for me and play because again, our children are going to get frustrated. And you can also say that even in any sense of frustration, right? When they are frustrated, allow them to feel frustrated, verbalize what you are seeing. And if they need your help at that moment, I want you to verbalize what they can do versus actually physically doing it. If they're still frustrated, you can see how long you feel comfortable doing this cycle, but then you will intervene as the loving parent you are. And this concept of frustration and play can also be used when a child's learning how to roll, reach for things, tummy time, walking, in so many instances where your child is learning a new skill and getting frustrated. Our immediate reaction is let me pick them up if they if they fell, right? If they're trying to walk and they fall, obviously make sure they're not like really hurt. But I want you to say, okay, you fell. See if you can get yourself back up. And again, you're verbalizing the troubleshooting, right? But allow them that space. If they really need it, you go to them. But the more you can do that, again, the more you are telling your child, I have faith in you that you can do this. And if you can't, don't worry, I'm going to help you out. And that is how we create that confidence that I mentioned early on. The last example, and remember, these are just five examples, but you can use these, this principle in so many different ways, is your school-age child with schoolwork. So schoolwork is getting tougher and tougher, and we oftentimes feel we want to help them so it's over, or they're frustrated, and you're like, okay, let me just help you out. But remember what I said earlier, in times of frustration and in times of understanding that we are not afraid or upset with their frustration is when they can learn the biggest breakthroughs in what they're trying to figure out. They can pivot and learn that maybe I'll do something different. 
So I believe that the independence and intervention model is so important in school-aged children because by verbalizing, using positive reinforcement, and highlighting the right, they are going to learn that, okay, I can do this. I see this is difficult for you and it's new. Can you try it again another way? Try it again and if you're still having difficulty, come to me and we can see how we can make it work together. Meaning you are not going to do it for them. You're going to work with them. Remember, this is all about a team effort. And the independence and intervention principle allows that team effort where you are allowing a child to show you what they can do on their own. And if they can't, you're going to figure it out together. You're not going to do everything for them. You're going to do it with them. That concept is so important from a young age because I get it in infancy, we are the ones who do things for our children. But if you have the mentality that we're doing things together versus me doing things for you, you're going to create that teamwork that I think is so important in parenting. Allow them the chance to feel the frustration, work through that frustration, and you're okaying the frustration and not dismissing them. Through the frustration, they can actually learn how to pivot and do something else. So if in the moment they're frustrated and you immediately fix it for them, they'll never learn to pivot to fix it themselves. Every child will experience struggle and failure. I mean, we have to be accepting of this. The more we try to resist them and, you know, avoid failure and struggle, they're going to be disappointed in their lives because it's going to happen. So when we are with them, being able to teach them healthy coping skills, that is when they're going to lead to the biggest breakthroughs. The independence intervention model allows them to show you and struggle with you nearby. You're not there to judge. You're not there to be upset. So when they actually do struggle without you there, they feel confident that they can handle this. That is why this independence and intervention principle is so important to me. And you see how I brought it from newborn to school age. But this is something that's so useful in every age that your child may be and in many situations. So from infancy, by doing this independence and intervention principle, you are setting up a standard to your child that I see you as capable. I will give you some space to show me what you can do, but I will be there for you if you can't figure it out. And I am okay with all of the emotions that this learning process can bring. This is vital to show our children that we trust in their abilities and that we aren't going anywhere if they truly need us. It works for when they start putting on clothes, right? Like when they're putting on clothes, I get sometimes you're going to have to put it on for them because you got to get out the door. But with shoes, when Ryan was learning how to put on shoes, we allowed him to figure it out first and then gave him some space, verbalized through it. You're doing a great job. Very nice. You're trying really hard to strap that. And then if he couldn't do it, we would help him. But the more we kept doing that, finally, the independence kicked in from just the age of development. But he also had the confidence that, oh, my mommy and daddy from a young age were just teaching me that I am capable. It helps during mealtimes, like I mentioned, when you're starting out with self-feeding. And so many more instances. We often feel that we need to jump in for our child right away. But if we waited to see what they can do first, we may be surprised and give them the space to show us how awesome and how capable they really are. Practice this independence and intervention principle and let me know how it works for you. And remember to leave a review and rating and tell your friends and family and loved ones about this podcast because I have many more parenting principles, guests coming your way, and mindset episodes coming at you in the weeks to come. Thank you and I'll talk to you next time.
you made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late-night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge-watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel.